episode of The First Incision, a CMF podcast, where we look at topics of the interface of faith, medicine and nursing that affect our Christian lives in today's world. I'm your host, Steve Fouch. In this edition, I'm talking to David Randall about miracles. Now, Christianity stands or falls on the basis of historical, the historical reality of miracles as recounted in the Bible. Yet to our secular friends, there seems to be, these seem to be little more than make-believe. So how do we talk with secular friends about the extraordinary things that God has done in the past? How do we communicate God's ongoing activity in the world today to medics demanding evidence and reason? And how should we approach miracles in the present day? So, David, before we get going, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in this particular topic? Yeah, hi, Steve. Uh, I'm glad to be with you. Um, My name's David. I work um, in the East End of London. I'm a registrar in renal medicine. Uh, I'm married to Abigail and we've got three children and we uh, worship at a church in East London. Um, So I'm here with you on the CMS Student Conference. I was asked to do a um, a seminar on the subject of miracles um, and uh, delivered that twice. Got it again uh, this morning. Um, Very interesting chats with the students. I think this is a real live issue. Um, And, uh, you know, I took it on and I I was trying to kind of get my head around it. And it can often be perhaps a bit of a dry subject, a bit of a philosophical Mm. subject. I wanted to avoid that really in the seminar. I mean, obviously, it's important to that we think clearly about this subject. But actually, it's of such relevance to uh, all of us who are involved in caring for patients. What are we expecting from God? What promises does he make in the Bible? Mm-hmm. How should we help people uh, who have a real belief in, in, in um, uh, you know, that God's going to heal them of whatever problem we're seeking to help them with? Uh, how do we come alongside patients and help them? How in our own lives do we get a, a, a biblical expectation of, of what God is doing in the world today and how mm-hmm. that fits with our health? And it is quite a live topic. I suspect we probably all come across patients at one time or another who believe that God's going to heal them or people who occasionally have stopped treatment because they mm. believe they're in miraculous mm. healings. Um, so we all probably are aware of those sorts of issues. But what does the Bible actually say about miracles? What, what How would you define them using going back to, to Scripture? Yeah, that I mean, that's interesting because if you look at <clears throat> many sort of philosophical descriptions of miracles they're in terms of events that don't have natural explanations Mm. or um you know events that break laws of nature now i think we've got to be careful about those definitions as christians because they imply that the rest of the time god's not involved in the world Mm. you almost get this picture that the world is some kind of clockwork model that god has built and wound Mm. up and then he's sitting back and watching and every now and then you know normally things proceed by science and every now and then, uh, you know, God pauses things, steps in, does a miracle and then sits back and it all goes back to normal. I, I don't think that really fits with um, the Bible's view of the universe. Mm. Just reading this morning, uh, Psalm 104, which is an amazing um, kind of creation psalm, but it talks about God's involvement in, in, in the ongoing activity of the world. He feeds the donkeys, he makes the cattle grow, he makes the rainfall. So, you know, the picture we get with the Bible is the whole universe is held together by God's power. Um, and he's working. And I think the best way to think about miracles is normally God's works in a standard and predictable way. And we can explore that through science and we mm. understand how he works. And sometimes he chooses to work in a different way. Um, that might be in response to human prayer. It might be often, um, if you look in the Bible, often miracles are described as signs and wonders. Mm. You know, he, he chooses to work in a way that is a big signpost to people that says, I'm God. 
you should be in awe of me. Uh, this is what I'm doing. This is this is my activity in the world. And he, he works in miracles to outwork this great plan he's got to bring a people mm. of, of God to himself. Um, in the Old Testament, lots of miracles around the time of Moses and the Exodus as he brings his people out um, more as they go into the promised land more as he sends his prophets, Elijah and Elisha, lots of miracles associated with them. And they're really kind of signposts, if you like, saying, listen to these people. Yeah. These people are bringing my message. And then obviously, chiefly through Jesus, uh, you know, these great signs, as they're described in John's gospel, saying, this is my son, listen to him, mm. um, you know, attesting to who Jesus is, his power to, to change people's lives. And do you, do you see that process sort of continuing on past the time of Jesus? Because I know there's a lot of debate in, in certain church circles about whether at the end of the apostolic age, miracles ceased or not. Yeah, I I, I think we have to say that Christians disagree on this. Mm. I, I mean, I think all Christians have to uh, believe in God's ongoing sovereignty, that you know God does what he wants. Mm. Um, I think it's also clear in Bible that God listens to prayer. And acts accordingly, and we should be praying. You know, if we're facing difficulties or have problems, we should be praying. And when we pray, we're not just kind of firing off hopeful thoughts into the sky. Mm. There's someone up there who's listening. There's God up there, our Father is listening, and He acts on our behalf. Um, I, I think probably a lot of the controversy around ongoing miracles and perhaps gifts of healing and so on, um, they're mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, that, that some Christians have this gift of, of miraculous signs or of healing. Mm. Um, some would say that that was a particular kind of first generation um, uh, example of the Spirit's power in attesting to the church and, and setting things mm. going associated with the apostles. In uh, 2 Corinthians 12, it talks about signs and wonders being a sign of apostleship, mm. that kind of first generation um, thing. Um, others would say, no, this is part of the ongoing experience of the church. I th I think where I would probably be, be cautious is about our ability to command miracles. You know, mm. I think very much we pray and we ask for God to be active and we expect him to answer. Um, it does seem to me that there's a difference between the way that, for instance, Peter and John, as they were going to the temple, they look at that paralyzed man and say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, rise mm. up and walk. And it instantly he, he leaps and he, mm. he runs um i'm not sure that that power is still there for christians today i think we very much pray for people we expect we you know we believe in a supernatural god we expect things to happen uh, i I'm, I'm not sure that we should that it's helpful to to think about miraculous power in that way that we can command miracles mm. um and, and certainly i think you know there's, there's dangers if we have too great confidence in our ability to command god to do things and there's a risk, as you've mentioned already, that we give patients perhaps unrealistic expectations. Uh, mm. Always the risk of, of giving people false or, or, or hope that hope that isn't there, that doesn't come directly from the Bible or, or misinterprets what the Bible says about suffering yeah. and illness. And of course, that is the danger is that that kind of approach can lead us to think that suffering is something to be avoided rather than a challenge to be faced through which God can speak to us and minister to us because of course elsewhere Paul in particular talks about us sharing in Christ's sufferings and that that is a a gift and a privilege in itself so yeah. with the danger is we lose that dimension of uh, what it is to be a Christian yeah very much so you know suffering is the gift that none of us want but actually yes. if we look back I think you know I've learned much more through periods mm. of my life when things have been really difficult and you know I've prayed for these things to 
mm. to get particular answers and those answers haven't come. Um, and then, you know, what do we do with that? Do we lose our confidence in God and say, God doesn't mm. love me and then fall away? Or do we say, well, actually, I know, I know that God is good. I don't know why he hasn't answered my prayers in the mm. way I asked. But, you know, we're invited to trust God, even when things don't necessarily make sense. And, and you, you know, you mentioned Paul and he describes in Corinthians you know, three times pleading with God to take away this thorn. Mm. He doesn't, we don't know exactly what that thorn was. It may well have been a physical illness. Um, it was certainly something that was causing him great distress. And three times he pleads with God that this should be removed. Yeah. And the answer comes back, no, no. Yeah. my grace is sufficient. Um, and, and Paul, in his weakness, needs to trust in God's strength. Um, if we have two, a, a kind of simplistic view of miracles that we hit a problem, we pray or we command something and it, and it goes away, you know, are we missing out on that opportunity to learn mm. through suffering and through hardship? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, an understanding and a belief that miracles are real lies at the very heart of the Christian faith, of course, because the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus and that you don't get a much more startling miracle yeah. than seeing yeah. somebody who's recently been crucified yeah. raised from the dead after it's astounding days. and yeah. it was it was as it was as mad and crazy in the mm. first century it is now you yeah. know some philosophers who've written about miracles kind of implied that the first century disciples were credulous people who just believed in this because they were simple and superstitious absolutely not no. people have never no. come back to life um in, interestingly paul says you know again to the corinthians 1 corinthians 15 he says you know, if if Christ didn't wasn't raised, we're to be pitied more mm. than more than mm. anyone else. We're wasting our time. Christianity doesn't exist. So, yes. um, you can't escape miracle. that miraculous. No, and it and it really yeah. does challenge the kind of secular way our society yeah. thinks, or so many in our society. Think. So, so why do you think it is so difficult in our our, our secular world for people to accept miracles? What what, what is it? I mean, obviously, yeah. experience tells us certain things shouldn't happen, therefore. Yeah. But but it goes a lot deeper than that, doesn't it? It does. Uh, I, think, I think there's kind of philosophical objections people have. Mm. You know, if you believe in a miracle, you are saying that this is not a purely scientific world. Mm. Uh, you know, that science, a lot of us rely on science a lot. Obviously, we do in medicine and other ways. But actually, if you're if you if a miracle has happened, you're saying science is, is not enough. It doesn't give us the full explanation of the yeah, universe. Yeah. Um, also, you know those those miracles are signs. So if the miracles of Jesus happened, then that has implications for us, big implications for us. Mm. Jesus has risen again. The universe is not how we would think it is, and we need to adjust our thinking accordingly. And it's it's interesting if you look at some of the people who who didn't believe in miracles in the Bible. It, it's it's that it's those personal reasons actually much more than evidence based reasons. You know, there's this the classic classic one: Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Extraordinary miracle. Three days mm. in the tomb, he comes out. Uh, lots of people see him and believe in Jesus. The Pharisees and the religious leaders hatch a plot to kill Lazarus yeah. <laughs> to get rid of the evidence. Yeah. Now, why? And, and the answer is they've made their conclusions, which is that Jesus is a bad person is mm. not you know is, is not from god and therefore they have to try to get from the evidence to their conclusions um you know and and i i think the existence of miracles has such profound mm. implications for us that there's a lot of personal reasons why we we won't believe absolutely it's an extreme case of confirmation bias isn't it we, yeah. we see the way the world the way we want to believe it and the way we've school been in school to believe it yeah that's which is of course why miracles are so 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 
very much signs and wonders because they shake up our way yeah. of understanding the world. Yeah. And interestingly, compared perhaps to other religions, Christianity stands and falls on miracles. Mm. If Jesus mm. wasn't raised, as, as we've said already, there is no Christianity. Mm. Uh, it's not just a way of life that helps us in some way. This is God's power mm. to save people. Mm. So looking at it practically when we're faced with patients who are who may be say refusing treatment or not engaging properly um because they believe that god is going to heal them miraculously or that they're you know looking for some other source of healing and help how do we how do we engage with them and how do we actually help um bring them on board with us mm, i think that's interesting i think depending on where you work in the country this might be a really big issue you know mm. where i am in East London, uh, we have a lot of patients who, who would come from backgrounds where they're expecting a direct miraculous intervention from God. Sadly, I think there's the belief that if you are engaging, sometimes in some patients, if you're engaging with Western medicine, that, that shows a lack of faith and therefore mm. you're less likely mm. to get a miracle. Um, I had a patient, I'm, I'm a nephrologist, I had a patient present um, last week with really severe advanced chronic kidney disease, mm. actually probably life you know was at serious risk of life-threatening consequences of that because of a, a a lack of engagement with medical care i think in many ways as christians we are in a good position to engage with patients along these lines um you know we we might have significant differences in what we believe with patients but actually we believe in the supernatural we believe in a powerful mm. god mm. um there there are kind of great promises in the bible of how god will heal all diseases um i i i, I love those verses from revelation about he will wipe every tear from yeah. their eyes yeah. uh, and the question is when is that going to happen it's going to happen when jesus comes back um you know for now the tears remain um and yes we we pray to god we we hope for we, we we can pray and ask for healing but actually there's no guarantee of that now i think if you look at the at what the bible says there's a clear theology of suffering um and so trying to help patients to see that that yes we believe in a powerful god but when is he gonna when it when when, when are we gonna see that um so i think i think it's really good to talk about things and you know what is perceived as a lack of engagement from services may spring from this in in people's minds and but but patients might be quite reluctant to talk about this so i think as christians we're in a good position to say look you know i actually agree with you i believe in god mm. uh, and then that perhaps draw out a bit about why patients are struggling to engage with treatment struggling to take medication uh, i think if we're if we're open about our beliefs it can help patients to be open about theirs um and then there's there's a way of kind of talking about things i mean obviously we've got to be sensitive and professional and appropriate um but you know we can actually engage with patients on a different level i think and what what about for ourselves i mean how do we how should we be reacting and, and engaging with uh claims of the miraculous when we come across them and how do we also engage with our secular colleagues when these issues cop up because that's another area i think that can mm. be quite tricky to handle I think there's a difference between scepticism and cynicism. Mm. I think scepticism is a good thing if you're saying there's a claim that something has happened here mm. uh, and a skeptic says, okay, uh, what's the evidence for that? Can I, you know, can, I, can I see what actually happened? Is there proof and documentation? I think that, that is a healthy response, actually. We have to be aware that people are, can be damaged by false claims of 
the miraculous. Um, they can be given false hope. They can be told that they haven't got enough faith because they haven't seen miracles themselves. Mm. So I think we, I think it's appropriate to be to have a scepticism. Um, and you know, particularly we're, we're professionals. We're working in, you know, we believe in the power of science and evidence-based practice and so on. And it's it's right that we have a scepticism. I, I think we have to fight against becoming cynical and saying, mm. oh, this is all a load of nonsense. There's all these charlatans out there trying to mislead. And if, if we have that kind of blanket suspicion and refusal to accept that there could be the possibility that God is working mm. in, in different ways, uh, I think it's damaging to us as individuals. I think we risk denying you know, what is there in Scripture about God's power and his involvement in the world. Um, so I think it's it, as in so much in the Christian life, it's a matter of balance. Um, Jesus talks about being shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, and you know we we are, we should rightly be questioning mm. claims, but uh, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be cynical and and um, denying the possibility that God is at work in different ways. David, thank you very much for. Um chatting to us I was, um, probably we could talk about this for hours this is such I'm a sure. big subject but um i think that would be a good place for us to stop for now and perhaps this is a topic we can come back and revisit at a later stage yeah that'd be so great thank, thank you very you. much thank you uh, for, for your me. time today so you've been listening to the first incision a podcast from the christian medical fellowship uh, watch out for our next episode in two weeks time but in the meanwhile uh, do rate this podcast on your podcasting app of choice. This not only is helpful to us and a bit of an encouragement, it also helps others to find this podcast. See you soon. Mm-hmm.